Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Lean into me. Draw my energy. I'm your leader for the next hour, hour and a half. And uh, we'll be guiding you through the crazy world of sports. We do this thing called The Balance. Every Saturday morning, we do it live right here, uh, high atop The Balance Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis. Going to have a great show today. Hey, by the way, uh, there was a win on Thursday night. Was it ugly? Yes, it was, but we'll get into that a little bit later on. Adam Jividen, our college football co- uh, co-pilot, super Browns fan, super Bucky fan. See, I, I, I used to say super Ohio State fan, so today I'm saying super Bucky fan. Super duper uh, Cavs fan. Help us break down this week in college football. And I'm sure we'll be talking about the Buckeyes and that team from up north as well. Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, was supposed to join us, but he is unable to join us today. But Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast will join us on. I have to talk a little bit about the IndyCar funny season and uh, take us out with some NFL as uh, Ed can't join us today either. So we've got a great show on tap. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight five one six is our digits. We're on the Twitter bird at T Balance. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. No. 
moving. It's called Beauty Sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. No. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. That means it's the walk-up song for one Adam Jividen. Adam, the super Browns fan, super Bucky fan. You like how I did that? Super duper uh, Cavs fan joins us to break down some uh, 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 college football today and see what's going on on the agenda today with college football. Mr. Adam Jividen, I know you love those uh, Ike and Mike's uh, candies, uh, but take a break from just for a few minutes. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing good, Tom. How are you, man? Now, now, how much of that goes to that candy that they sent you? How much of that goes to you, and how much of that goes to Oliver? Uh, Oliver doesn't really like them. Uh. He's just not a big candy person. Which is, I love me some some Mike and Ike and Skittle. I'm a, <laughs> I, I could get along with Marshawn Lynch. I'll just say that him and his uh, fruity candy thing. There you go. There you go. We got, I, I have a colleague of mine at my real job, and every time we're on a, a Zoom call, he's eating those Ikes and Mikes. So I was just like, I can picture Adam doing that. <laughs> I I did All that right, the other day on a call, yeah. Uh, did you really? Nice. All right, well, let's just jump into it. Uh, we know that you guys have the Michigan State Spartans 2 and 3. You're 5 and 0. Oh, you're going to punch them in the mouth today. I hate to steal your thunder, but you have your one minute of thunder that I give you every week to break down the Ohio State Buckeyes, what's going on with them in the Big Ten, and they're playing uh, old Sparty. Now, first of all, do you, would you rather be called Buckeye fan, Ohio State fan, or Bucky? You look like well, a Bucky. Bucky is the is the nickname of the Washington or the Washington the Wisconsin Badgers mascot. So oh really? Yeah, I did not know that. It is. Yeah. So <sighs> well, definitely not Bucky. 
I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to fire my research assistant, I guess. <laughs> In my notes. Say say this. You know what, Anchorman, don't put it on the teleprompter or he'll say it. So that was what was in our intro. That's right. So. Say everything. <laughs> I love uh, that movie. Yeah, I mean, All right, I digress. Game, Number three. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, today's game against Michigan State is not – I don't even think it will be very close, primarily because – and I don't think this will be a punch-them-in-the-mouth kind of game, at least not on offense, because Michigan State boasts the nation's 116th-ranked passing defense. Um, so I expect TJ to throw up like five touchdowns and like 340 yards by like midway through the third quarter. I just, last week, um, CJ's numbers were not as good as originally perceived. Um, but the thing that was tough about last week's game against Rutgers is we still scored like, I don't know, 50 some odd points. I kind of quit. No, 49 points. Sorry. Um, but there were, I kid you not of my head seven pass interference calls um, where Rutgers defenders were just and it wasn't like well they were kind of they were bad they were getting burned mm-hmm. and it was very clear the orders from the defense <clears throat> was if they get by you just take them down because they'd rather get the 15 yard penalty than a 60 yard touchdown and that was happening mm-hmm all over the game. So I was, I was actually texting my dad and I'm like, you know, people are going to, you know, you, you might, people might get, get upset or crap on CJ Stroud for his numbers against Rutgers. But if you put in all of the penalty yards, all of a sudden uh-huh. it looks a lot better. Uh, and, and that, that kind of happened as well in regards to the touchdowns. Cause he only had one, no, two passing touchdowns this last week. And Mayan Williams, the running back got five. We got five because like, a litany of times we were on the one yard line because there was a pass interference penalty in the end zone. So I need to be over by halftime. Michigan State had a great team last year, but it was very veteran. Um, senior laden, it was led by uh, senior transfer Kenneth Walker, who's now playing for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, and Michigan State is definitely in a rebuilding year this year. And I just, I don't expect it to be, to, to be competitive really at all. Um, and then Ohio state heads into our buy or our goal is just to get healthy um, before we play Penn state uh, the weekend of Halloween. Well, we'll see what happens. Obviously, this is going to be a, a, a good game to watch. I, I don't certainly. I, I agree with you. This is not going to be a game that that we predict to be any type of major upset. Although anything can happen, uh, but certainly at the moment, I, I would I would say there's nothing that's going to tell me anything different. So uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes move forward. I would assume uh, to their un, undefeated world. And so they're going to be headed to the national championship, right? We've already got that etched in the books. Let's talk a little bit about my Indiana Hoosiers. And now they host the team from up north, or as we like to affectionately call them. Of course, that's Jim Harbaugh's program in the Michigan Wolverines. I mean, here's the thing. I, I, I love IU. I'm an IU alumni. I, I'm, I, I bleed IU. But I, I also know the reality of it. These two teams – never seem to be a good matchup 
Indiana never seems to figure out a way to be hasn't figured out in my in my recent memory hasn't figured out a way to beat Michigan. Of course, they're number four, and they like to keep their undefeated streak alive uh, at the beginning of this on, on Saturday when they they go on the road to face Indiana down south up here in Bloomington. Uh, the, the, I mean, the Wolverines started the season with one of the easiest non-conference schedules in the country, you know, Colorado State, Hawaii, and Yukon. So if you think about it, Michigan really hasn't played anybody, and that weakness or that or weakness of schedule, if you will, continues. So even though it's a Big Ten matchup, I mean, Indiana has, has had its problems. And, you know, you got a guy like J.J. McCarthy, uh, it, it, you know, just the, the, the beast with, with Michigan and the team up north, and I keep saying I love IU, are trying to find something positive to think about this game. But Indiana has lost 10 out of, 10 out of the 11 Big Ten games, and I think they did beat them in 2020, something like that. So I'm going to lean yeah, on you did. real quick. At, <laughs> that's right. I'm going to lean on you real quick. I mean, like I said, the Hoosiers, that was the year that they finished a 6-1 and one record in the Big Ten with the only loss to your Ohio State Buckeyes. But I think things have fallen off the cliff since uh, since then. And, and uh, you know, the Hoosiers win over Illinois 23-20, to 20, something like that, to open up the season, is the only Big Ten game they've won. And their 10 losses have come to – by an average of 23.6 points, is the coach's seat on fire down there in Bloomington? I know we're a basketball school, but we're really not that anymore. What's going on with my Hoosiers? Give me, give, give me some support here, brother. <laughs> Honestly, and this is, this is where I think I mentioned to you last year I'd be watching IU in terms of that hot seat for Tom Allen. Not mm-hmm. not because he's a bad coach. He's not a bad coach. He actually but isn't. That's what is so baffling. He's a, he's a, he is an excellent coach. Where I but but I think he's an excellent at this, at this stage of where he is. I think he would be better suited as a defensive Back coordinator somewhere because. The problem that I see IU having is now, especially with the transfer portal, they're not only struggling from a recruiting perspective in terms of getting some some better, you know, maybe not the upper echelon guys in the state of Indiana. Those guys are going to go to Ohio State or Notre Dame. But right now, he's not even getting – IU's not even getting like the second-tier players. Mm-hmm. That's right. The power programs like Ben Davis or Carmel or – and, and and I think it would be it would be who IU to consider making a change at the top. Again, not as an indictment of Tom Allen. He has done great with what he has done so far. But he has taken that culture everywhere that he can. Now the best thing to continue on his legacy, frankly, is to turn it over to someone else that can take it maybe to the next step because in the Big Ten East, you've got Ohio State, Penn State, and that team up north that are clearly at the top. <laughs> but after that, there is a gap, and there's a void between, between teams that rotate, between <clears throat> IU and Maryland and Rutgers. IU, in my opinion, should be firmly supplanted in that four position, which would give them the ability every 
few years to rise up to that three spot. But it feels like ever since that 2020 season, they've taken a step back. I Mm -hmm. used to be a position that a young coordinator, a young guy that wants to like, you know, get his, his chops in at a, at a good school. That's what they need to be looking for is they don't need to have this older established veteran coach if the team's not progressing. And that's what I would be doing. I mean, what, what does it hurt to offer some young, great quarterback coach? Um, I, I think of, like, Corey Dennis is Ohio State's quarterback coach. What does it hurt to just make him an offer? Be like, hey, would you like to come be the head coach here? Take exactly. it, it, can't be, it can't be any worse than it is right now, where it just seems – it's felt like the IU program has been treading water for the last two years. Absolutely. I mean – I think this will be a, a strong win for Michigan. Uh, this is just a game that they're going to check off the boxes. Uh, I mean, the spread's 22 and a half. Uh, I, I mean, certainly I would I would say, if, you know, if you're going to put your money on anybody, do Michigan. But I, I don't see anything to be excited about with IU football. And uh, so we'll just let it be at that. And we'll just go on to our other games, Adam Jividen. <laughs> Sounds good to so, me. You know, I know you sent me some games over, and I want to make sure I cover those games. But I, I want to talk with a, a little bit about the Tennessee game, this Tennessee-LSU game. They do play as LSU today. My notes have been all messed up today. Yeah. but <laughs> So that's a, that's a key matchup to watch, LSU and Tennessee. And I'll tell you why. It's, it's not because LSU's – that bad this year because they are, but uh, but the Tennessee Volunteers how over the last couple of years have been saying, hey, look at us, we're 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 a legit deal. They started showing us that last year, and they've definitely showed us that this year. We look at the Tennessee Volunteers and the LSU Tigers, obviously coached by the guy that used to be at Notre Dame. How, how quick I forget his name, but who uh, said it wasn't about money, but it clearly was about money when you look at his salary. LSU, Tennessee, what say you, sir? So Tennessee made the big statement two weeks ago when they knocked off Florida. See, and, and I'm not saying that Florida is, is, you know, a Georgia or Alabama, but that game is the game that Tennessee every year the last few years Tennessee fans have been like, we're back, we're moving in the right direction. And then they'll get, like, boat raced by Florida or by LSU or by South Carolina or, or just pick, pick, a, pick a random school. They would just get annihilated. And you're like, well, Tennessee is clearly not back. Kind of like what we saw from Texas when Texas lost to Texas Tech. Um, this year's different, and it feels different. Um, you know, they've got a young coach um, – in Josh Heupel that uh, has a pedigree. He was a, I believe, national championship winning quarterback. He was at Oklahoma, um, you know, has put in his dues at smaller schools like UCF. And he has brought that UCF offense to Tennessee, and it's working. Um, they've obviously are undefeated up to number uh, eight in the country. LSU is four and one, but several of those wins have been just ugly. We're talking like Colts Broncos ugly. Like 
That was ugly, wasn't it? Where you're like, oh, that was a win, but I don't know that I could real feel super great about it. Um, is kind of how you know it, it, it's been for them. But this year feels different I, to the point that I'm looking at Tennessee going. You know, Missouri gave Georgia fits last week. Could Tennessee beat them? And if Tennessee beat Georgia, that would be like the shot heard around the world um, in, in in college football. I just, but it's it's not just a oh we hope because we'd like to see somebody else. It could really happen. Uh, Hendon Hooker, their quarterback. I mean, he's got it. He's got it moving. He's I, for he's got like. Let me check his – I had his stats pulled up. Yeah, he's thrown for almost 1,200 yards at eight touchdowns um, in five games, which, like, that's really good um, for – especially for a college quarterback. <laughs> you know, is he, is he going to be taken number one overall? No. Is he going to be drafted? I don't know. I, I haven't <laughs> dug into the draft quarterback that much yet. I say yet because you know I will. Um, but <laughs> but they're – Tennessee's, they've got it cooking. And this is, this could be a year for them where we look at, look at some of the teams that, that are a little iffy at quarterback. And I'm like, shoot, I'd rather have Hendon Hooker than, than most of the quarterbacks in college football right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you were going to so say I mean, something else. I was like, yeah, I, I look at this game, and honestly, I don't even know it is going to be that close. I don't think I don't think LSU can score the ball against against uh, consistently against top top competition, and I think Tennessee will be able to make enough plays consistently throughout the game to get the W, um, which is which is going to be. I mean, they just they keep plugging away, but I I see Tennessee. Continuing, continuing this this uh, upward mobility towards towards the top five um, with a win over with a win over number twenty five LSU. Well, the spread's two and a half, and I think Tennessee will take this game. I think it'll be a, a good game uh, to watch. At, absolutely, uh, that's on at twelve o'clock. I down at Tiger Stadium. You can watch that on ESPN. Here's Death a Valley. Death Valley. Here's a Cardundum. I to, that's, a, that's a new word I've been trying to incorporate into my, my vocab. But here's a cordondum. If you had told me at the beginning of the season or at the end of last year that we would be talking about uh, two of the unbeatens, if we were talking about two of the unbeatens mat, matching up on a Saturday morning on, on October the 8th, would we be talking about TCU and Kansas uh, uh, for a showdown of, of the unbeatens? I don't think so. This is going to be a good game, and it's going to it's going to ripple throughout the uh, college football, the Big Twelve world, anyway. Uh, in number seventeen TCU, that in number nineteen Kansas, Kansas is five and zero, uh, and uh, so we'll see what happens. But I tell you what, this is going to be a good game. TCU and Kansas will be playing again. This is going to rock the, the Big Twelve one way or the other, uh, but they'll be playing to, to stay atop the Big Twelve and. When they they meet at Memorial Stadium, the other Memorial Stadium, 
Uh, the other other memorial stadium. No, the other other memorial stadium. <laughs> would have thought that it would be the There's case before the season. There's at least five memorial stadiums I can think of off the top of my head. That's right. So That's I, I said the other other memorial stadium. The Jayhawks are five and zero for the first time since 2009, and uh, you know we know them to be a basketball school, not so much a football school. So let's hear your thoughts on this Big 12 matchup of the unbeatens that we didn't know we would have ever been talking about on October 8th. Yeah. I I think the the two things that these things have, these programs have in common right now is explosive offense. If you remember, you asked me about TCU week one, and I told you, Sonny Dykes, their head coach, that man knows how to score the football. And that's what they've been doing. And the same thing would apply to Kansas. Um, the, the interesting thing for this game is one of these two teams, whichever comes away with the W, are they finally going to start to get respect from the voters? Because both of them are undefeated, and they're ranked 17 and 19 respectively. Um, I, I think some of that is, well, because they haven't the, the whole they haven't played anybody syndrome, uh, which, which people can fall into. Um, and obviously that goes away with them playing head-to-head and both teams being undefeated. I look at this game. I'm going to be honest. This, for me, is a pick 'em. If I'm a, If I'm betting a betting man, I'm not touching this game with a 10-foot pole unless I'm looking at the over-under. If the over-under is, like, anywhere in the 60s or even, like, low 70s, I might consider taking the over because they know how to score points in buckets. So that's I I am really looking forward to seeing the results of this game, but I'm not gonna lie, I have no idea which way this one's gonna go. This is as tight of a of a matchup thus far that we've had this season, where it could literally go either way, and and neither one would surprise me. Well, it is gonna it's gonna be a good matchup. I'm, I'm I'm curious to see how this comes out because, like I said, we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about this game for a bit. And this today. and this is not the typical TCU team. We're used to TCU under Gary Patterson, where they score like 17 points and have an unbelievable defense. Not the same TCU. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Um, so if you're a fan of watching, you know, like high scoring offenses, this is the game to tune into. Okay, so uh, what's your game of the week? My game of the week, uh, probably that one. Um, but obviously, you have you have Texas A&M and Alabama. Now, Texas A&M isn't ranked; they're three and two. But but that all of that changed when Bryce Young got hurt last week. Um, mm-hmm. if, for those that didn't know, Bryce Young got hurt. Um, in late in the second quarter against uh, Arkansas, and they rallied behind their backup quarterback. But Bryce Young is the last year's Heisman Trophy winner is going to be out. Um, can Texas A&M generate enough offense to knock off Alabama? Because if they do, what gets interesting is how the SEC West could shake out. Because, for example, LSU's loss is not in conference right now, but LSU plays uh, Tennessee today, who is a part of the opposite division. It is entirely possible 
Alabama might not, with a loss today, doesn't make the SEC championship game, which should lead to um, a, a shift in the college football playoff to let someone else in, and maybe we don't have two SEC teams in Georgia, Alabama, like we thought was going to be the case all season. Could it be one SEC team, most likely the winner of the Big Ten, and then who? You know, and that's where I think it, it really changes, especially if USC keeps winning. Or, you know, does somebody stay undefeated out of the Big 12? I'd love to see TCU or Kansas crack the playoffs. That would be, that's what we've been wanting ever since the playoffs started, is some, is some team that's not one of the traditional top four or five, which has essentially been Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Alabama almost every year in the playoffs, um, and, and, and I'd love to see somebody else, you know, jump up and, and grab that opportunity. So I'm keeping an eye on Texas A&M and Alabama more than I normally would with how Texas A&M has played this year. So thus far, just because can Jimbo Fisher and that defense dial up enough pressure to cause Alabama problems? I hope so. God, I hope so. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I was a little bit disappointed in Jimbo Fisher last week, so we'll see. We'll see how things uh, pan out. My name is well, Tom Mark. Well, we're president. probably not nearly as disappointed as their boosters. I'll just say that. Uh, exactly. You're very. The one, hey, we paid X amount of money for this. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Tell us why we did that again. <laughs> My name is Tom Mark LaSalle, Presidente, uh, uh, breaking down your Saturday morning college football here on The Balance with my college football co-pilot, Adam Jividen, super Buckeyes fan. We'll, we'll take the Bucky away because it's the name of a badger that I've, that I've come to learn. Uh, and super duper Cavs fan. Uh, my name is Tom Mark LaSalle, President. You're going to stick around with us for a little bit, aren't you there, uh, Adam? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. My name is Don Marquis, El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. 
Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. No, they're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous pork chop down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. Quick stop, midnight tea top, Jack and her cherry coke pan. Mama and daddy put the roots right here. This is where the car broke down. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Quarter of the show in the books today. Adam Jividen, my college football uh, co-pilot, is joining me. And we're going to be breaking down a few more games. And we're going to kind of get into the NFL talk here in just a minute. Tony Donahue will be joining us here in a few minutes to help us finish breaking down the NFL and what's going on in NASCAR in the playoff world. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast stepping in for both Ed Kratz and Steve Wilson. One more game I definitely want to talk with you about, Adam, and that is this big, another uh, Red River showdown or whatever you 
you call it Oklahoma uh, versus Texas. This should be another good one. I hate to use the word barn burner, but I don't think it will be. But uh, the spread's eight and a half. Uh, at, at Texas three and two, Oklahoma three and two. Uh, so uh, this is a uh, you throw away the records away anytime these two meet. They're obviously meeting at the Cotton Bowl this weekend. Uh, Texas Longhorns, the Oklahoma Sooners. I think Oklahoma gets it done at home. I think it's going to be a really good game. But like I say, anytime these two teams match up. You might as well just throw away every stat, everything that we know about the, the, the two teams and what we think is going to be logic. Is it going to be logic? So Texas and Oklahoma Sooners, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, with Texas and Oklahoma, obviously both of those teams um, are not off to the starts that, that I think a lot of people, um, their fans, maybe some national beat writers had anticipated – I had seen some, several actually, uh, you know, college football reporters have Oklahoma in the college football playoff this year. Um, that's obviously not, not going to happen. Um, it should be a, a good game. The Red River rivalry is always a, a, a fun game. Um, the thing is, you know, with this, you, you've got is, is still on their backup quarterback, Hudson Card. Um, Oklahoma got, you know, beat again by Kansas State. I feel like Kansas State just beats Oklahoma, like, consist, like every other year. Um, they just, it, it seems like they've just had that trend. And, you know, I just look at this game as one of these two teams over these next couple of years, because both are under, you know, newer coaches, um, you know, they're they're both angling really for life post Big Twelve, and one of them is going to try to like they have to position themselves for how they enter the the SEC, um, and, and I think that's going to be a big thing. With neither one, they're essentially at this point all but I mean I don't want to say they're out of Big Twelve championship hunt they're pretty close to out of the big 12 championship hunt because they've got a lot of teams that they still have to play where the fav- the matchups don't favor them but obviously one's going to pick up another loss here today um so with that said they're already essentially also obviously out of the playoff contention but what they have to look at is the the, the trajectory of their program at large um with with both uh brett venables and steve sarkeesian um, running Oklahoma and, and Texas, I would look at this and go, the winner of this, are they going to position themselves for life in the SEC where uh, recruiting is obviously going to be big, they're going to be competing again with now other teams in that conference like Texas A&M, Alabama, Ohio State always has recruits that they pull in from Texas and Oklahoma. Um, and they have to turn this around quickly before they turn into, you know, a Missouri or uh, uh, an Auburn, where at this point you're looking at Auburn being, I mean, almost irrelevant from a football pro pr- perspective for the last several years. If if SC, if they don't do that, the the grind of the SEC is going to take one of these two programs 
down to just be considered an also ran if if they're not careful even with the big name or what we've seen out of Nebraska when Nebraska joined the Big Ten. You know, we've seen Nebraska go from what was a powerhouse to this is kind of a joke now. Um, nobody's worried about Nebraska in the Big Ten, like at all. And that could happen to one of these two programs in the SEC if they don't start gathering momentum before they go into the mm-hmm. conference. Hey, well, let's let's talk a little bit about that game last night. The Houston Cougars uh, edge out the Memphis Tigers. Uh, the, the Cougars now go three and three. The, the Memphis Tigers are, are four and two. Uh, but what a game that was! And you talk about a, a, a knuckle biter. It came right down to it, and uh, Houston was able to, to pull it out at the last touchdown. That's that's what all the highlights are showing today. Uh, Houston and Memphis. What are your thoughts on that game? You know, Houston. Houston is always one of those programs that like they've got NFL talent on that roster. It's just a matter if they can, a few years ago, they were like undefeated through like week eight or nine. Um, They're one of those programs that could jump up. And, and I believe there's a lot of talk. If they haven't agreed to it, they may have. And I I can't remember about them joining a new look big 12 um, with like Cincinnati when Texas, or when, when, when Texas and Oklahoma go. So, I mean, it's a great, it's a great win for, for, for Houston. Anytime you can get those kind of like, even if it's not your record isn't tremendous, anytime you have a chance on, on like national television when there's no other football being played and you can have that kind of like a come from behind mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter win, those are always huge. Uh, Dana Holgerson is their head coach. He was a former head coach at West Virginia. Um, he'll, I think, try to position that game. Um, to recruiting again the the biggest thing here is just it's keep the winds going keep things moving because we're at that midway stage of the season where you just kind of hit like the doldrums you know how like it used to feel when you were in school in like February you know you're past Christmas but uh, spring break feels like it's so far away that's how mid-season can feel for a lot of these programs so the best thing to do and the best thing you can do is just keep moving forward, get the win, move on to next week, get the win, and just try to keep the, the momentum moving forward. Well, speaking of momentum, last game uh, for our conversation on college football today, Texas A&M and Alabama. I mean, they, they play at Alabama, uh, and the Aggies have been pretty inconsistent. Let me remind you of a, of a loss to a, a, a team called Appalachian State. And don't seem to be having the forces to keep up. I don't see this have a win for Texas A&M, although it would be a great win, Alabama to cover by 24. Uh, you know, I, I think that the concerns was if Bryce Young would, would be able to play. But if we know Nick Saban and we know Alabama, guess who's going to be playing? Uh, Bryce Young. Uh, so, uh, you know, Alabama to definitely cover and, and, and more so. Not, not a lot to talk about here, but because it's Alabama, because it's Alabama, we must talk about it. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's what we kind of mentioned earlier. It's actually – Bryce Young has already been ruled out. So it does definitely make – Oh, did he? I, I, I figured that they would wait till the last minute to do something like that with him. Okay, great. No, well, no. He's already might be, that might be a benefit to Texas does, A&M a little bit. It does help them um, some. Texas A&M's offense, though, it, it, it's like – 
Denver Broncos bad. Um, which I'm, I'm going to have fun, like, making fun of the Denver Broncos all season. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's just awful. Uh, their <laughs> offense, and, and this is especially bad for Jimbo Fisher, who is known as that offensive head coach, right? Um, could they pull the upset with Bryce Young being hurt? They could. I, I mean, if they can generate points, um, but I, you said the, the spread is 24. I think that's insane um, because, mm-hmm. you know, again, Alabama's going to be on a, on a backup quarterback, and I know that Alabama is recruiting quarterbacks similarly to, like, Ohio State has or how USC used to or Oklahoma, but it's still a backup quarterback in his first career start. Um, so I think that game will be a lot closer than that. If, if that's the spread, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think Alabama's covering that spread. If it's still 24, that's nuts. Yeah. It, it might change, but that's what it is right now. Anyway. But yeah, up? I mean, that's, that's kind of, okay. yeah, that's, that's how I see it, it playing out. I don't, I don't see I don't see it being I don't I don't think I don't I don't know that Texas A&M will win. I think it will be much closer than that. than the, than the 24 point spread if that's what the spread still is. That's what that's what it is right now. I'm jibbing in. Um Super Browns fan. So let's get into the NFL some NFL conversation while we still got you Tony Donahue with the Tony D podcast is going to be joining us here in just a few moments, uh, but, or a few minutes, I should say. I think this uh, story, there's always a storyline with the, the, the Browns. Uh, what's up with this attorney that was arrested for throwing a water bottle at the owner of, of the Browns, Jimmy Halfman, at the Browns' home game last month? Uh, he's been charged with uh, uh, public intoxication and disorderly conduct. Uh, 51-year-old Jeffrey Miller faces charges and misdemeanor charges, and he's set to make a, a court appearance later this month. One, if you're an attorney, you should know better than to throw a water bottle. <laughs> Two, if you're at the home game of the Browns, everybody throws water bottles, right? No. <laughs> and three, what are you thinking, man? What are you thinking? I, I don't know. I just I, I found it somewhat comical. Any 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 sidebar comments on that, sir? Um, drunk people do stupid things. I guess yes, that's they my do. <laughs> <laughs> no, no other elaboration. You got the charges though. Browns versus the charges. Uh, let's uh, let's yep. let's break down that. We'll start with our NFL talk uh, with with the Browns and the Chargers. What are your thoughts? You know, I like to think the Browns should win this game, but we're two and two, and they really, with with any measure of like competency continued on both sides of the ball, should be four zero. At worst, they should be three and one. Um, they, they shouldn't have lost to the Jets. And, and last week, they lost the Falcons. On, uh, frankly, we're starting to see Jacoby Brissett be exactly what he is. He's a backup. He's a high-level backup, but he's a backup. Um, and, and there's there were multiple times during that game last week where you had receivers wide open in the middle of the field, and either he didn't see them or his pass was inaccurate and they couldn't catch it. 
Um, and, and then you had the, the issue where they could not stop the run at all. And a lot of this issue that the Browns were having, um, especially in the fourth quarter, was because they were without three starters on the defensive line and a backup. So they were pulling dudes from the practice squad, and they still only had six rotational defensive linemen for the entire game last week. And they just hit that fourth quarter. They were gassed. The Falcons knew they were gassed. And so they just ran it right down their throat. And then even then, when the Browns took a lead on another Nick Chubb late touchdown, the defense had another communication error where they let a receiver get wide open behind the safeties, and he took it down, and then they punched it in just like a couple plays later. So, you know, the Browns are maddeningly frustrating on defense, and I, and I do believe after the season there's going to be a change in the defensive coordinator. Um, I, I think everybody is kind of at the point where they ha- realize they have to move on from Joe Woods. Um, and frankly – there is a coach sitting out there that's a former defensive coordinator and former head coach of the Denver Broncos, Vic Fangio, that I'm like, I'm like ruling <laughs> over the possibility of Vic Fangio coming to be our defensive coordinator. Um, but from Denver, you know, I think that's what they need. Yeah, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, because he's he's well, unemployed right now. He certainly right knows now. how to keep a game. He certainly knows how to keep a game that Phil goes. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, he's not there I anymore. Can, he, got, he got fired last. Yeah, no, he, he, oh, got, he, right, got, he, he got fired as their head coach. That's right, he did. So he's, okay. he's sitting unemployed, but he's a great defensive coordinator. So that's, they've got to have somebody that can get this defense playing at a high level. They have, they have stud playmakers on the defensive side of the ball all over the place. They just can't, they're just not communicating well, and they're just seeing the same defensive lapses every other game. Um, and, and so, you know, from an offensive perspective, it's going to be – Lean on Nick Chubb, and can they game plan, you know, quick one-read throws for Jacoby Brissett? They can do that. They can, they can win this game. The Chargers have, like, a slew of people injured, including Rayshon Slater, their left tackle, Joey Bosa, their defensive end, J.C. Jackson, their cornerback, um, Justin Herbert's playing with broken ribs that he suffered a few games ago. I mean, it's they have a laundry list of injuries. It's just a matter of if the Browns can capitalize on that. Do I think they capitalize on it, especially with the game being at home? I actually do think they do. But it's freaking nose. Until we get to Sean Watson under quarterback and a new defensive coordinator in there, um, I'm basically for the Browns. I'm like, my mantra for the 2022 season is, let's get to 2023. Are you going to do that? Are you going to do that with Jacoby Brissett? I mean, I think honestly, I, in my opinion, but what do I know? Uh, I'm just, I'm just a, a cool, awesome dude that hosts a podcast. Uh, but I, I think the Browns are better off without Baker Mayfield. And I like Jacoby Brissett. I liked him when he was here. If you just say with, Baker with Mayfield, we are better off without Baker Mayfield. Are they better off? Without That's what I said. You're better off without him. No chance at all. No chance at all. When when Deshaun Watson comes back in week twelve, he is starting. Not even a question. Do you what you just said in week twelve? What kind of a difference is he going to make in week twelve? But the the, the point. Keep, is, keep in mind, that point I, 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 that, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other can of worms. Why he's even eligible to play after week twelve? We'll keep that rabbit in in, in its hole, but. <laughs> 
I, I no, guess I think they, if, they have, if you guys are having they, a winning season, it, pardon me, go ahead. Sorry. But, but I don't think that's, that's the point, Tom. I don't think that we'll be having a winning season. Like we're two so and two right now. And I don't think Jacoby Brissett will get us to a winning record by week 11. We got to get Clowney back. Is he playing this week? Do we know? Garrett's playing Clowney. It's unknown. Okay. He's questionable. Well, if you can get those two playing at the same time, there you go. There's a there's a good chance for you. So you're you're not a you're not you're not a fan of old Jacoby then, huh? Or you just you're okay with him? You just know no, that Jacoby. Jacoby's good. He's just a backup quarterback. He missed mm-hmm. he missed at least eight or nine throws that would have been for first downs or big gains last week. Just see them or miss them, and that's not something your starting quarterback, you know can do that's we had enough of that with baker mayfield last year and baker mayfield has continued that in carolina i don't know what happened to baker's head but he is just he's not the same dude he was um in the year that we went to the playoffs against and won that game against pittsburgh well the dude that is the dude that has always been the dude is tony donahue of the tony d podcast joins us now uh to help us uh, break down some of these uh, uh nfl games and uh, talk a little bit of NASCAR with us, and I appreciate him jumping on today. Steve Wilson cannot join us. Ed Kraft cannot join us, but uh, Tony Donahue, the Tony D Podcast and BurnoutSports.com joins us now. Tony, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm good. I'm listening into the debate here on the Cleveland <laughs> Browns that are two and two. <laughs> I, I would I would yeah. say this. I think that they are a middle-of-the-road team right now, and I didn't really hear the entire conversation. Um, Jacoby Brissett's good enough to get somebody fired, and he's also good enough to, to hang on and keep this team in contention uh, for, the, for the first 12 weeks. I think they become a incredibly different team with Sean Watson because um, I think he's a much better quarterback. So my question would be, is how long does it take Deshaun Watson to get into that rhythm? I mean, you know, going into week 12, this is going to be the first time exactly. he's played in, what, over two years. So how long exactly. does he get to get that exactly. right? How long does he get to be able to make these throws and get the chemistry with this guy? So, um, you know, I, I think the Browns are a team. I think they have a, a schedule that really favors them. I mean, if you think about it, you get a struggling Chargers team coming in, a struggling Patriots team coming in. Uh, then you get a couple tough ones with the Ravens, with the Ravens and the Bengals, but um, outside of the Bills and Bucks, I mean, there's a lot of winnable games on this Browns schedule. I would say enough to keep uh, them kind of afloat before they get uh, they get Deshaun Watson back here in what eight or nine weeks. Well, that's that's exactly what I was just saying right before you joined. I mean, yeah, Watson's a great, a good quarterback. I mean, I, I have issues with him even playing, but that's neither here. We'll keep that rabbit in the hole. Uh, but I, I wonder, and I asked Adam the same question, I wonder what, what kind of a difference Watson can make starting at week 12, and you, and you just solidified my, my point there. Adam, I, I, I know you guys are going to have a, have a good season, though, so we're, we're, we're good to go with you. Adam Jevin in, uh, Super Browns, Jan. Let's, let's move on over to the Thursday night game, guys, and uh, we all admit that the, uh, even the ugly girl has to go to the prom sometime. But, my God, it, it, both teams were ugly. Both teams suck. It just we didn't suck as much as 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 the Broncos and Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson having such a hard time finding his his way uh, in Denver, if you will. But God, I mean, it was good to, for the Colts to get a win. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I saw somebody on Facebook that said 
The only good thing about the Colts getting the win is Frank Wright gets to stick around for another week. Tony, we'll start with you. I think we're a little too hard on Frank Wright. We've got some of the best players in the NFL on our uh, on our offensive line. Let me t- talk to you about a guy by the name of uh, Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. We have what it takes. Quentin Nelson. We have what it, Kelly. We have what it takes. We, we coming in. We thought one of the big missing pieces was Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, I, I, I've been less than impressed with. He's better than Carson Wentz, I guess. So Tony, what what are your thoughts on on uh, Thursday night's game? We'll get to you, Adam. Um, I would say this: they don't have the best players. They don't have the offensive line. They have the highest paid offensive line, but it's not the best offensive line. Matt Ryan barely has enough time to get the football out. Jonathan Taylor didn't play on Thursday night. Naeem Hines got knocked out. The wide receiving core they brought in at the beginning of the season is dismal. Outside of Michael Pittman, they don't really have much. Alec Pierce will step up every once in a while. Paris Campbell's hit or miss. Ashton Doolin is, I don't think, would start on any other football team in the in the league. The defense has been atrocious. Um, they seemingly have gotten the kicking game right, although kicking in Denver is probably the easiest place to kick at. It's because of the altitude, and you can get a lot of uh, mm-hmm, leg behind. I think, this, I think this is a terrible football team. It's a terrible football team that was put together by, by Ballard. Ballard said all summer, oh, the, Amen. The, offensive line, Amen. the offensive line is going to be great, and this wide receiver group is great. I mean, the, the tight ends are carrying the wide receivers' asses so far this year. It was the ugliest game I've ever watched in my life on Thursday night. Thank goodness that they actually won, even though I'm not – I haven't been more upset about a win in a very long time because this is going to give Jim Irsay and everybody at the top false hope. Well, we can do this. We can, we can get these grind-em-out wins. We can, we can win and battle-test it and iron sharpens iron and all these cliches that kind of came about when Chuck Pagano was around. Um, it's false hope for this team, for this franchise moving forward. Um, you've got division, division games coming up with Jacksonville, who just slapped your ass in week number one. And then you've got you got to go to, you got to, go to Tennessee. That's hit or miss. They came here and slapped your ass last week. So, yeah, they've got a chance to be in first place at the end of this week. But this schedule that they're on, um, you've got to get these next two games to go to 4-2-1, and one, which is possible. You can beat Carson Wentz and the Commanders. You can beat the Patriots. You can beat the Raiders. You're probably not going to beat the Eagles. You can beat the Steelers, the Cowboys. They have winnable games, but with all these winnable games coming up on the Colts schedule, they could just as easily lose these games. So um, it's wild. I mean, I know it's only week four or week five, and we're still learning some of these teams, and there's still time to adjust, but they really got to get these next two division games if they want to have any kind of sniff of the playoffs. Absolutely, 100% agree with you. And, and Adam, he, I, he's he's preaching the, the same sermon you've preached before, is when are we going to stop being mad at Frank Wright? Chris Ballard for three freaking years, and nobody in this city <laughs> listens to me until now. You can't <laughs> ignore the receiver room for freaking years. Like, you just can't. Crazy. Like, okay, he gets props for bringing in Michael Pittman. I feel like Chris Ballard is still writing the, I drafted Quentin Nelson. Great. He was a, he was like a no-miss prospect. I I don't understand why so many people are still so infatuated with Chris Ballard. What the heck has he done? You've you've moved from old retiring veteran quarterback to old retiring veteran quarterback to old retiring veteran quarterback or Carson Wentz who just shouldn't shouldn't start ever. And, And I get like I like Frank Reich more than most people because I look at the the hand he has been dealt and go. 
what is he supposed to do? Like, mm-hmm. you have tight ends available. Like, the, the, the tight end from Ohio State last year, who was many people had as, like, the number, one of the top two or three, you know, tight ends, I'm just using an example, was there for the Colts to draft. Instead, what do they do? They are obsessed with Mo Alley Cox because Chris Ballard discovered him. Chris Ballard thinks Chris Ballard is freaking Bill Belichick during his run of Super Bowls with the Patriots in terms of roster construction, and he's not. He's not. This is now, like, their, their cap space is gone, and this is a bad football team. That is, that is, from an analytics perspective, investing in the wrong positions. Adam Jividen, Super Browns fan, Super Buckeye fan, Super Duper Cavs fan. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast joins us and BurnoutSports.com. Uh, Adam, you got to go. Or are you sticking around to talk a little bit more football with I, us? Yeah, I have got to get going. I got some errands That's I got to run before the Guardians have first pitch at 12.07, baby. This feels so weird to even hear you say that name. It just, it just oh, baffles my mind. I know. Just like I, commanders. I refer, them, and, I refer to them as the Guardians, and I just feel like it works better. <laughs> I gotta add that to your. I gotta add that to your list of, of, of super fans. But all right, you have yourself a good weekend. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll have you back next week to, to break down some college football for us. Sounds good. Everybody have a good weekend. Tony, thank you for verifying my Chris Ballard hatred. And we'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> all right, joining us now and, and uh, helping us fill in for Ed Kratz and Steve Wilson on both the NASCAR side and the NFL side is Tony Donahue and. Uh, the Tony D podcast and burnoutsports.com. Uh, Ed can't be with us today, but they have Arizona uh, and they're on the road against Arizona. Everybody's got to love fly Eagle fly right now. And I think every Eagle fan and, and I am a secondary Eagle fan, if you will, obviously a Colts fan, but my secondary team is the Eagles. And over the last several years, I've lived vicariously through Ed and being an Eagles fan and getting the close up look with the Eagles. So I like the Eagles. But I also like Arizona. Arizona's a tough team to beat at home. Uh, Tony, what are your thoughts, the Eagles and the Cardinals? Yeah, it seems like Kyler Murray of the Cardinals has kind of started to turn it on a little bit. They had that road win last week um, against the Carolina Panthers late where they came back to win by 10. Um, you know, they've been getting it done on the road. It's been a struggle for them at home, losing to the Rams and losing to the Chiefs. This should be a really good game. Um I think the Eagles are a really good team. Do they start kind of coming back down to size here the next couple of weeks? Maybe. Um, but that division is so winnable with Dallas, even though that they're in three and one, um, the commanders aren't very good at one and three. So, um, you know, I think this is one of the better games this week. Uh, I do love to watch scrambling, running around quarterbacks that can continue to make a play and, and can keep a play going. So excited to see what, what, what Hurts can do going up against Kyler Murray, two former Oklahoma products. Well, let's move around the NFL uh, for tomorrow, and, and uh, let's talk about uh, the game that start our day off tomorrow out in London across the pond, two three-and-one teams, uh, the Giants at the Packers, if you will. I always wonder how they, they come up with the home team there for London. But, uh, you know, this could be a nightmare matchup for the Packers, but I, I really do think uh, Aaron Rodgers will have a good game and, and, and throw for 300-plus yards and at least uh, three touchdowns. Uh, I like the Packers in this game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, the Packers have been a team that seems to uh, have kind of struggled to find the offense. I mean, we talk about the Colts and their wide receiving room, 
you kind of look around at Aaron Rodgers and what he's got after they dealt Devontae Adams to the Raiders. Um, you're kind of looking around going, all right, uh, who's Aaron going to throw it to? But uh, nonetheless, uh, the Giants team, 3-1, and one, off to a really impressive start with Daniel Jones. Um, I think the Packers win, but I think I'm the opposite of you on this one. I think this is a, you know, when you look at the over-under 42 points, this is, this is going to be a slow-moving game. Defenses are probably going to be the better of, of both sides of the sideline. I like Green Bay. I think it's going to be one of those ugly grind them out 17 10 20 to 17 type wins for the Packers well the Falcons uh two and two and the Buccaneers two and two uh, where Matt Ryan should have stayed and not came to Indianapolis maybe I don't know but that's a, that's a that's a can of worms be <laughs> the over and under is 47 there and they're at the Buccaneers Tom Brady's uh, team I don't know how much they got affected by the hurricane I thought it was quite a bit but maybe not to my knowledge, they're still having it there. Um, I, I think that, that that the Falcons have a good run defense. This should be a good game uh, for the Falcons. But uh, you know, I, I like the Buccaneers at home. Maybe maybe call me a sucker because of the hurricane and everything. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Cordell Patterson has been the guy that's kind of transitioned over from being a, a big-bodied wide receiver to a running back, and he's out this week for um, for Atlanta. So that that's that's going to be something that they're going to have to overcome. Um, you know, Tampa's got to get it going too. They've had some, they've had some down weeks. They've had some weeks that they haven't looked at their best. Um, so we'll see. I do like Tampa in this one at home. Well, I wonder if we're going to be talking about Brady's uh, only three game losing streak in his career came from week four in, in to, uh, to week four to eight in, in 2002, or are we going to be talking more about the Brady, uh, uh, the Brady divorce that seems to be dominating the headlines. Like they're the first people in the world to ever get divorced. <laughs> what are your thoughts about yeah. Tom Brady? Which, which, if, if you're doing a prop bet, which is which is going to get more attention out of Tom Brady? Is it the divorce or is it his actual stats as being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time? <laughs> well, I was on TMZ a few weeks ago and we were talking about this. And I said, here's here's the thing about this divorce. It's nobody's business, but everybody's going to make it their business. But but two, here's the big thing. If he starts losing football games and they start struggling early, there's going to be a lot of talk, more and more talk. Oh, is this because of the divorce? Is this because he's not going home to Giselle? <laughs> is this he, he, he wants them to stop playing football, and he won't do it. Uh, and they're 2-2 two and two right now, but they are 10-point favorites, so I would expect nothing less uh, than Tampa Bay to roll in this one. So we look at the the Steelers at the Bills. Uh, not really impressed with the Steelers at all. Uh, Kenny Pickett is set to make his first uh, career start against the Bills. The over/under is 46 and a half. Uh, Pickett was picked off three times while playing in the second half last week against the Jets, and his ability to make good decisions on the road will go a long way against uh, a, a a very good defense with the Bills. I like the Bills. They're at three and one. Um, and, you know, I, I think Singletary will have his first 100-yard game of the season. And that might be because I'm playing him on one of my uh, fantasy football leagues. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. This is one of those games where the Bills should roll easily. We might see the backups. I, I, I would I would be I'd be careful on who you start on the Bills side of the football because I can see the starters only starting two quarters. This, this game could be 28 nothing by halftime. This one won't even be close. Browns-Chargers will be a pretty good game, as we already kind of talked about. Um, Bears and Vikings. 
you know, it always seems like, Tom, with the Bears for the Vikings, it's like the ugliest scratch, you know, scratch and crawl and claw your way to the end there, and it ends up being like 17 to 10 or 14 to, to, to 10. And I always think it's going to be one of those ugly games, so I fully expect that coming up with the Vikings and the Bears on, on Sunday as well. You know, a good friend of the show, Rick Riggin, is a big Lions fan, and when they won, and then was winning in the preseason, and then they won, uh, now you have the Patriots that are one in three. Uh, we made jokes about the, the Lions, like, wow, the Lions, they, they won. They're, they're, they're going to have a great year. They, they only won one. They didn't know they were supposed to be bad. Now they know they're supposed to be bad. And the Patriots didn't know they were supposed to be bad. Now they know they're bad. So this is kind of a, a comical game to watch, if you will. I mean, the, the Patriots have given up, you know, 325 rushing yards on, on 51 carries. It was the last time we were able to talk about a stat like that from the Patriots. Uh, I, I, I like the Lions in this. I think they'll, they'll get a win over the Patriots. The Patriots just flat out suck this year. I'm, for the first time in my life, I get to say that, so I'm going to say it as many times as I can. The Patriots flout out. Suck. Lion, uh, the Lions running back, Jamal Williams, will rush for at least two touchdowns. And uh, I think – I don't know. I, I, I do like him, and I think that he'll, he'll do well, have a good game uh, on the road against New England, which is hard to win at home anyway, but they haven't proved this year. That they, but what, what are we – we're only in week four. We're, all, we're already – making determination. So go ahead, sir. Lions and Patriots, the over over and under forty five and a half. Yeah, these are just this is just two sucky teams that probably don't want to win this game because they probably live across the sideline and so that's one of the teams that we're gonna be battling for for a uh for a draft pick. So um it it'll it'll probably end up you know, it just seems like these Lions games, they either end up thirteen to ten or they end up forty eight to forty five. So uh at least if you're gonna have two crap teams like this, give me a shootout with plenty of points. There you go. There you go. Well, we got a, a good matchup. I think really the Bears and the Vikings. These are this, this is another uh, rivalry type team. The Vikings have given up a thousand fifty four passing yards this season with the seventh most in the NFL. The Vikings have surprised me two out of three w- weeks this year. Uh, so I look for them to have a good game at home. Uh, the Bears are are starting to be somewhat of a solid team. I know that's your team from up in the region there, uh, but the Bears are only two and two, uh, and I think Kirk Cousins will have another. Uh, three interception day against the Bears defense, but I do still think the Vikings pull it off. What are your thoughts on the Bears and the Vikings uh, uh, spread is over and under 44? Yeah, well, one of two things. One, don't ever associate me with the Bears. Uh, definitely not a Bears fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew you liked the but, White Sox and stuff, so go ahead. Um, but like I just said, um, with, with with that game, it just seems like that's one of the always the ugliest games you'll ever see, so um, I expect low scoring in that Vikings-Bears game. Will it be as low as the Knights game, though? You wonder. <laughs> Boy, I just can't, I, I just can't stop talking don't about that, that ugly win. Don't tempt them. That's right. Hey, you know, the Dolphins are on the road against the Jets. Um, you know, Tua, really, this, let's talk about that. I wanted to – I got this in my notes to talk about. There's no reason that Tua should have even been on the field. And we have got to address this issue. The Dolphins need to be penalized. There's a lot of things that need to happen, and the NFL needs to take action for this. But the but the worst part about it is that they allowed him to go back out there on the field because they, they have people on the field that says, hey, or, or, or you're supposed to clear a concussion protocol 
however long it takes before you're allowed to go back on the field. Let's talk about this Tua concussion controversy uh, as they hope to improve to 4-1 against the Jets at home. I mean, the, yeah, the Dolphins on the road against the Jets, the over and under 46 on that. But I do want to touch a little bit on the Tua concussion controversy. Yeah, I've got to run after this, but I would say this, you're right. I mean, sure. something has to be done. It's not fair. Um, you know, you are probably spending a lot of money as the NFL on these independent neuroscientists, uh, these neurosurgeons to come in and, and, and examine Tua. Um, you know, there is, there is a level of having to battle with some of these athletes. You know, when you tell them, no, you can't play, they go, oh, well, you don't know my body. You don't know my body. I feel fine, mm-hmm. right? And there is a level of, man, I, you know, this, there's this expectation. Even, even if you're not invested in that team, right, Tom, if I, if I flew you out and said, hey, I've got a client for you, and you're going to be making more money than you've ever made, and you're in that room with one of those clients, you know, you start seeing how it is. And, and, and there's, I'm not saying there's manipulation, but there'll be things going on. And um, somebody's going to say, oh, you don't know what I'm doing with my money, or you don't know, what I'm, you know what's best for me. So there's a lot of discussion in that, and it, what's unfortunate is everybody has to be honest and on the same page, and, and I think that that failed to happen. I think that that, 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 went, to, that went south, which is unfortunate, and mm-hmm. um, hopefully um, didn't cost uh, Tua his career because there have been some experts that have came out over the last couple of, yeah. of weeks and said, you know, hey, um, you know, hey he, he might want to consider not playing football the rest of his life because another hit like that and mm-hmm. And it could and yeah. um, it could endanger the form. So um, yeah. yeah, you just hate to see it for a guy who's who's only in his second or third year of his career and has plenty of football ahead of him. I'm going to ask you real quickly before I let you go uh, to put on your burnoutsports.com uh, hat. And uh, the 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 round of 12 continues. Uh, the the playoffs continue with NASCAR. Uh, they're at the Charlotte Roval. What are your thoughts? I, I like Suarez in this, uh, and, and I need your pick for t- today and tomorrow. Go right ahead, sir. Yeah, I mean, Suarez is always a good pick. It's, it's, it's almost these, this role has become very similar to, like, Talladega, right? Uh, because you've got chaos, and you've got to be able to survive that chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a dark horse here, a guy who is, is – um, um, He's on the bubble. He needs a win. Look for Christopher Bell to be up front. He's won on the Daytona road course for him. Uh, he's had a pretty good year, pretty good playoffs. But right now he's on the outside looking in. Give me give me Christopher Bell to win. And, God, it, it's so hard, Tom, to pick against A.J. Allmendinger today, right? Like, that guy is always there on the road courses. He's always a guy to, to be reckoned with. So, give me, uh, give me, give me A.J. Allmendinger today. A.J. Allmendinger, the dinger for the Xfinity race at the Roble. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and uh, BurnoutSports.com. Where can people find your working masterpieces, sir? Yeah, BurnoutSports.com, at BurnoutSports on Twitter, at Tony D Indy on Twitter. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll try to talk to you again next week. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. Take care. See Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Uh and at burnoutsports.com. Love having him on. Uh, I know he's very busy, so I appreciate him jumping on with us today. Adam Jividan, super Browns fan, joined us. Browns fan, Buckeye fan. I made the mistake of calling him Bucky. Uh, I'll have to have a conversation with my research assistant. <laughs> Just kidding. 
we don't give Melissa enough credit for this show. She does all the, the behind-the-scenes stuff. She does the, 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 the tweets for us. She handles our social media. Hey, and guys, we've got something new coming real soon, real soon, real soon. Our brand-new website's going to be launched in just a couple weeks, so just be a little bit more patient with us. We're about 90 to 95% there. And also appreciate Steve Wilson of uh, SpeedwayDigest.com helping us get all of that set up. But we will be launching the new website very, very soon, people. Uh, and I'm excited about that. And in that phase one, phase two, we're going to be open. We hope to have it open. We hope, knock on wood, we hope to have it open before the holiday season. Uh, and that is the balance shop. We're going to have all kinds of goodies in there, hats and T-shirts coffee mugs and, and bobbleheads and really everything you can do to be a, a cool balance stand. And so uh, if we're going to get that t-shirt that respect the Woody on there. So we got a lot of things in plan for the, uh, for the show. I mean, for the, for the, for the website store, for the website store. All right, guys, let's uh, finish up our conversation here. We talked about the chargers and the Browns. I mean, you know, here's the thing. It, it, but, Chargers are going to just smash them out of the Browns at home. So let's not even get excited about the Browns winning. Sorry, Adam. Chargers are going to come in on the road and they're going to leave at three and two, or yeah, three and two. Can we're already there? We're already there. Well, that's why we call it mid-season turmoil. Turmoil on the show. Let's talk a little bit about this, the the Seahawks. Now we, we we talked about Russell Wilson, you know, leaving the Seahawks, and going to uh, the Broncos. They're still having their ways to define their sea legs without Russell Wilson, no pun intended. And the Saints are really struggling big time at one and three. The over and under is forty six on this game. I mean, it looks like another week without Winston and and, and wide receiver Michael Thomas, which would mean Andy Dalton will likely take over again at quarterback. The Saints' problems are beyond the quarterback right now. They are among the worst teams in the league. And, yes, I said that. That's the Colts are not one of the worst teams in the league. <laughs> Especially after Thursday night. I, I love what Tony said. I've never been so mad about a win in my entire life. Yeah, when, when are we? I, I, I'm digressing. I know. I know. i got to put on my Homer hat again because we're based in Indianapolis, high atop the Valley Studios on the west suburbs of Indianapolis. We're Colts. We're, we're in Colts country here. And I tell you, the fans here local are not happy with the Colts. But I still think the Saints are one of the worst uh, teams in, 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 in the league right now. And here's some bold predictions for you. Ryan Neal will take over for Josh Jones in the starting lineup and, and spark Seattle's struggling defense with a game-changing takeaway. Take um, so we'll see what happens. I, I certainly think the Seahawks will do well on the road against the Saints. Uh, Geno Smith has 77.3% uh, completion percentage this season, the highest of any quarterback through a team's first four games of a season in the NFL history. So there's that for you. And uh, talk a little fantasy with this game. D DK Mac Met Metcalf, sorry, had the big had the big week four, but Tyler Lockett uh, benefited the most from the overachieving Smith, uh, more than 75 yards there. So a little betting nugget. I would stay away from this game today, but you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a matchup going to be a game, probably somewhere around 19 to 16. I picked Seattle. Let's go on 
down to the nation's capital. Carson Wentz is not making his legacy yet again and again. He's now the, the commanders is now has the uh, recycled recycled water bottle. We got the recycled water bottle for the Eagles and we tossed him out. And now the commanders have the recycled water bottle from the Colts. <laughs> oh man, I digress. I know Tennessee. I, I'm, I'm rooting. I, 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 I like the, the uh, commanders in this game. But I also like them because they're playing Tennessee. I mean, I think they're going to get a win at home. And if anybody needs a new stadium, can we just say that the Washington Commanders needs a new stadium? It's pretty bad that if you're a fan at, at, at Washington at Commanders Stadium and it's an outdoor stadium <laughs> and you're underneath and you're inside there where the concessions are and it's leaking water everywhere, yeah, I have a source. I do have a source. Ed Kratz was telling me about that when the when the Eagles were in Washington a few weeks ago. So, anyway, you know, the Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill, though, will finish with 300 passing yards. Um, but I, I still think the commanders get the win. Um, and and here's, here's another fantasy thing. If you want to know, Melissa's got Derrick Henry uh, on, on the fantasy league. You know, Henry didn't catch a single pass in the first two weeks, but has eight for 91 yards over the past two weeks. So um, there you go. There's my fantasy thing. Start Derrick Henry if you're not already. Here's a, a betting nugget for you. Don't bet on this game. Although we will. We do. We bet on all the games. Uh, but uh, I, I would just say win or lose on this game. Commanders will will, will win, probably something like a 30 to 27. It might be 20, 2016, somewhere around there. But it's it's certainly nothing to get all excited about. I, I'm excited about the rookie. If we're going to get excited about a, a player on Tennessee rather than Derrick Henry, check out that rookie, Traylon Burks. Although he did have a leg injury, didn't he? <laughs> well, let's talk about the Texans AFC South matchup. I hate the Jaguars. I can live with the Texans. Here's the Texans record, 0-3-1. You know where that one comes from? The Indianapolis Colts. You're welcome. Oh, three and one. So as long as long as uh, the the uh, the Texans keep down this projectory that they're on now, we we have a chance by the end of of the day tomorrow to be in first place. Oh my God, the AFC South is the worst division in the league. So, you know, in one part of me, I really want Texans to win on the road against Jacksonville. They got our number, but Philadelphia had their number. But we couldn't get it done last week against Tennessee, so guess where we're at. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the Jags are 2-2. Two and two. I mean, the Fabio quarterback. <laughs> no. No, Fabio is not the quarterback for – uh, remember Fabio with a long wavy hair. So just you know. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. You, you know who I'm talking about. Trevor Lawrence. The wavy hair. Trevor Lawrence. 
Well, it's Trevor Lawrence. He's going to struggle under some pressure. I mean, he, he, he's he's not really been that good. He's just been winning games and getting a lot of attention. You know, if you're looking for some betting information, the past four times Jacksonville was a favorite, it lost the game outright. Three of the, those losses came against Houston. Take that for what it's worth. But I still think the Jaguars get it done somewhere probably around that that number of 34 to 14 sort of thing. Uh, fantasy look at, the, at this game is uh, Pierce has had more than 100 scrimmage yards and a rushing score in, in consecutive games. His six catches last week came against the Chargers, which are 68% of his grabs for the season. All right, we got the 49ers at the Panthers. 49ers struggling. Two and two. Two and two. We'll be back in two and two. I'll take the two and two. A side of bacon, two sides of sausages, and two eggs. Tight grass down there. You guys hate it when, when I just step up to the mic and, and, and have to carry the show. I promise you I'll only make you suffer for a few more minutes. Things haven't been going well for Baker Mayfield. We talked about that earlier in the show with Adam. And I said, you know, that the the Browns are better off without Baker Mayfield. They absolutely are better off without May- Baker Mayfield. And, you know, I, don't, I guess I don't want to let the cat out. The cat's already out of the bag. Watson shouldn't be playing football. But the NFL said, hey, we're going to give you 12 games. I don't think that there's – they're play, the, the Browns are playing for anything at all. So I, I, I'm very concerned with Baker Mayfield. My granddaughter's favorite team is the Panthers. He's had 11 passes batted down at the line of scrimmage, six more than any other quarterback in the NFL this season. He has also been sacked 11 times, tied for the eighth most NFL in the NFL. San Francisco treat the defense has had seven sacks and 17 quarterback pressures on Monday night against the Rams. The 49ers are tied for second in the NFL in sacks with 15, which is not good, Odom, for the old Baker. The Baker's dozen. I, I think I think I think I think this is me. I think Baker Mayfield will get sacked three times in by Nick, by Nick Bosa himself. So, we look at the fantasy. Obviously, anytime you're looking at fantasy with the Panthers, you look at Christian McCaffrey. I did not pick him up this year. The last couple years, I had him, and it was a total disaster for me. But he has set the bar so high that in in that three straight games, more than 100 scrimmage yards isn't enough to put him in the good graces of a lot of fantasy managers. He's doing it again. He's a great uh, player on the field, but he is an awful fantasy player. Tell me how that can happen. Tell me how that can happen. 49ers win this game, though. It, you know, it's a, it, it's a given. Um, so, Carolina is at 3-15 ATS in the past 18 games. So, there's your betting 
nugget for that, if you will. We talked about the Eagles and the Cardinals. Eagles are on the road against the Cardinals. I'm all about fly, eagle, fly. Like I said, the, the Cardinals are 2-2. Two and two. The over and under is, is 49 and a half. Sorry, we couldn't get, have Ed on to break down the Eagles uh, for us, so I don't do as justice as he will. Uh, but, uh, I, I mean, I think Arizona will, will be tough. They have a tough defense, and they're going to they're gonna sack Jalen Hurts about four times probably. But they're dead last in the league with, with just four sacks entering in, in, in week five. The Eagles are the only team to win a turnover battle in every game this season. They have an NFL best plus eight turnover margin. We saw that happen with Jacksonville Jaguars and last week, and I was just like, oh, my God, these Jaguars will just never, never stop. I don't, I don't know where that accent came from, but, hey, it is what it is. My name is Tom Marcos El Presidente. Uh, make sure you're following us on the Twitter, at T-Balance, on the Facebook. And remember, our website's coming soon. Go Facebook, search uh, The Balance, T-H-E space Balance. Appreciate Adam Jividen, super Browns fan, super Ohio State fan, uh, super duper Cavs fan, helping us break down college football. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and burnoutsports.com, helping us break down some of the NFL games. Uh, we we landed on Christopher Bell and Daniel Suarez uh, for a, a pick for the role for tomorrow and the dinger for your pick for the Xfinity. My name is Tom Mark with Sal Presidente. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. <laughs>